Will we see you at CBP Connects presented by Arrive POS in St. Louis, Missouri, June 20th to 22nd, 2022? While we strive for a day when our in-person workshops will be 100% free, we are extremely proud to offer one of the industry's most affordable events. Join us for three days of networking and education, 10 interactive workshops, three nightly receptions with drinks on CBP, and one not to miss opportunity for you to build relationships with your fellow craft beer professionals. Only $149. Huge thanks to Arrive POS, River Drive Cooperage, Strike Visuals, and White Labs for believing in CBP. See you there and learn more at cbpconnects.com. Cheers. Uh, we are together today to chat uh, about boundaries, status quo, finding joy in setting boundaries as an underestimated leader in craft beer. And this is a panel conversation where we have some amazing leaders here with us today. We're practicing together, and it's for busy professionals who want to move from nice to clear and kind in how you practice boundaries at work. Um, thank you so much to Andrew for putting this all together and for the sponsors of the conference who keep this event 100% free and accessible and that it lives forever because this is a conversation whether you're here live or whether you listen to it afterwards. It's a conversation we want to inspire ongoing conversations between people. So thanks so much for making that happen. Um, before we get going and meet everybody, um, a little bit about me. So um, my name is Dana Kluzny. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, and I am a project facilitator and mentor. So I support uh, leaders and teams uh, who want to move from the chaos of initiating collaborative projects to action and um, in ways that bring people together. And I have over 13 experience, uh, 13 years of experience with emergent projects um, in different industries. But in craft beer, my start came as the director of retail and events at a Toronto craft brewery. And as an aside, um, working with over 250 weddings a year in a full production facility um, teaches you a lot about how to have hard conversations about boundaries with people who have multiple perspectives. Um, and then now I'm the co-founder of Enswell Beer, which is a startup small batch brewery in Collingwood, Ontario. And I'm also one of the founding partners of the Safe the uh, things and one-on-one -on -one and team mentoring sessions. Um, I just want to say a caveat before we get going, because we are going to have some really great conversations that may integrate mental health. Um, I am not a mental health professional or a counselor, but I integrate resources and teachings in my approach that are informed by my own personal and professional experiences um, with mental health and trauma so that I can make sure that people come together in ways that honor our whole selves. So let's get going. Um, I This is amazing because we are going to be in conversation um, and we are going to be role modeling um, what it's like to practice boundaries and, uh, and to continue to show up for ourselves. Um, and uh, it is an ongoing practice and a prerequisite of compassion um, so we can build trusting and honest relationships. Um, so it's more than the question of how do you balance your work and craft beer with your personal life? So we're getting into the nuances of that. And we hope that we provide you some really great takeaways from that. And again, inspire more conversation outside of this. So I wanna welcome all of our panelists and anybody who's here live. I'm gonna be monitoring the chat. So if you wanna say where you're from um, and answer this sort of question that we start off with, if you have insights or challenges or cool takeaways, please put them in the chat. So let's meet everybody. Um, I'm just gonna go around and, uh, and uh, I'd love to hear just a little bit about introduce yourself and a little question to get us going. What is a recent beer you enjoyed or a brewery that you visited where you went, whoa, these, uh, these people are really disrupting the status quo? Who wants to start? Andrew, I'm picking. Of course you pick me, Dana. 
Of course you pick me. So as I test my boundaries, I'm in need another stream on the other computer right now. It's been a really okay. fun day of virtual conference. But, you know, I'm Andrew Copeland. I'm with Crappy Professionals and Secret Hopper. And I appreciate everybody tuning into this virtual conference. Dana, I appreciate you more than you know with your involvement in the Safe Bars Pact initiative. You've been a vital force behind that. And I appreciate you moderating this panel. It makes it a lot easier for me and such a great topic. A great beer that I've had recently, I'm going to give an interesting one. And I, I think this speaks to me trying to set boundaries. So I have a two, a two and a half year old and I drink a lot less beer than I used to. So I've dived deep into the non-alcoholic segment. I still drink a bit of beer, but I definitely enjoy the NA when I can't drink as much as I used to. And it's not a craft beer per se, but I had a non-alcoholic Guinness the other day. And drinking this non-alcoholic Guinness side by side with a real Guinness, I guess they're both real Guinnesses, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. It was a really fun experiment, and it's been fun to see the growth of the NA segment the past couple of years and how the quality has improved so much. And for me, that helps me a lot with my mental health when I can enjoy a beverage like that, not sacrifice any of the flavor, and get to have a little fun still. Amazing. I haven't tried that, but I love Guinness, so I'm going to look out for that. Thank you. Quite tasty. Um, does that anyone else want to go next, or you want me to pick on you? I'll go next. Jamar. <laughs> okay, me. All right. Uh, yeah, I'm Jamar Valentine with uh, Bevana, which is a beverage, craft beverage platform. Uh, and I've been in the industry of food and beverage and hospitality for 15 years, uh, which led to, of course, the craft beer community uh, and finding ways to help the craft beer community uh, connect really with community uh, and the people within the company and outside of the company. Uh, so uh, I actually recently tried a non-alcoholic craft seltzer uh, from Bay Cannon in Tampa, Florida, uh, and it's called Tranquilo. And uh, the peach flavor, uh, I thought, wow, you know, this is really the future. Um, but I also had the pleasure of visiting a tap room over the weekend that was not one of my tap rooms uh, called Okalawaha in uh, Hendersonville, North Carolina, uh, which is a small microbrewery uh, that used to go by a different name uh, with some ownership change, if I understand correctly. Jamar! Jamar is slightly frozen right now, everyone. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll circle back to Jamar. Hopefully this comes back, but um, Ren or Mariah? Uh, I'll jump in. Uh, I'm Ren Navarro. I run Beardiversity. I am also in Canada land. Woo. Um, I think I was uh, a bit of a rebel with my beer choice the other day, and I had a Boudvar, uh, so a Czech bar. And I was just like, the reason I picked it was because it's a, a true classic and they just are doing, they're doing things the way they want to do it, And they've always done it that way. And, and I think sometimes it's nice to kind of have that reset to just go and be like, you know what? I love craft to the ends of the earth, but I'm going back to the thing that got me into craft and, uh, and having a check bar that was like super crisp and just like easy, no frills. That was, that was it for me. It was, a, it was a really great reset. Yeah. That's amazing. Thanks. Okay, Jamar, you're back. Hey, it's me. Do you want, do you want to pick up where you left off? We want to hear from you. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure where I left off, but I discovered uh, Oklawaha. Uh, yeah. Yeah, in Hendersonville, North Carolina. And you know, it's a town that may not uh, visibly see as much diversity and may not see as much uh, inclusion in the town, uh, but the brewery itself you know, to see them bringing people together and creating a very inclusive space. Uh, I think we don't often have enough of that in the small towns, uh, in the small rural areas, particularly in the beer industry. So it's great to see. Yeah. Amazing. Mariah. Okay. I will um, finish this part up. Um, my name is Mariah Caligioni, uh co-founder of Dogfish Head Brewery in coastal Delaware. And um, now I'm the social impact leader for the Boston Beer Company. I am currently drinking a Mandarin and Mango Crush IPA. Um, but the probably the um, cool experience recently I've had is I went to 
a cask beer festival at Revelation Brewery in Rehoboth Beach, which is just five minute bike ride from um, our brew pub. So about 20 different Delaware breweries were there um, serving up some uh, cask beer and it was a lot of fun. Awesome. Uh, if anybody else in who's here live with us has any other um, great beers or great breweries that they've visited that they think are really, you know, pushing the boundaries, uh, see what I did there, um, with what they're doing, uh, please add it into the chat um, so everybody can, can learn and benefit from your knowledge. So um, as I mentioned, uh, today is about us um, having a conversation and uh, it's going to flow in different ways. Um, and, uh, and one of the reasons why it's, a, I wanted this panel to be a conversation is because practicing boundaries is hard work and it's so much easier when we do it together. And when we share, um, good takeaways and things that have worked and we do so in a really honest way, because it, it honestly is being generous to other people as well as yourself. Um, and so one of the things that I just wanted to start with in terms of just grounding us is just hearing from everybody on even that, like the beginning moment of kind of when you shift to kind of know, Oh, I, I need to set my boundaries or I need to uphold my boundaries. Um, because sometimes with boundaries, that practice is a lot about knowing yourself and knowing where you're at in a moment. So um, I'd love to hear from everybody and we'll just kind of flow from there. But um, how do you check in with your needs and feelings when you are setting boundaries, either with others or with yourself? I guess I'll start that one. It's very difficult, actually, for me to set boundaries sometimes. I find myself in front of a computer so much over the past five years. You know, I've been growing a business. I've been building relationships. I always want to be tuned in. But I think right now it's an extremely relevant question to ask me. For example, over this past weekend, there was a pretty active thread in CBP that was really polarizing. And it's one of those threads that, like, do I need to step in? Do I need to say something? And you know, I think that is a microcosm for a lot of situations that I deal with. And I find myself when I'm dealing with, you know, do I need to set boundaries? I ask myself a few questions. I ask myself, first off, is this urgent? Like, as in, do I need to handle it right now? And then I ask myself, is it necessary? Is it necessary that I respond to this person at that exact moment? But then I think the most question, important question for me is, you know, will it make my life better or the life of others better? You know, am I, should I jump in and do this work task or am I better off spending time with my family? And, you know, I try to give myself as many boundaries as I can, whether it's just putting my phone down and separating myself from work. But those are the questions that kind of help keep me grounded and make my decision moving forward. Yeah, I, I love that. And I think that like, even what you're saying, that process of pausing, like just taking a, breath to sort of ask yourself those questions and have that self-reflection and self-awareness is so important because often when we feel discomfort of any kind, it's like, oh, I'll do anything to not be in this anymore. So it's just fix it. Right. And, and sometimes we can lose out on asking ourselves some, those are amazing questions in terms of, um, you know, before you actually go in and, and do the thing. So that's, and I think pausing is really important to me because I can act quickly sometimes, but quickly is not always the best route. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, Ren, Jamar, Mariah. Uh, I'll jump in. Uh, I for for me, and I and I always want to say like I I'm not sponsored by, but um, I use Calendly, and it right. Same. But but the the reason I love it so much is it it says no for me. So, because I'm, I'm also this like absolute people pleaser. And it's like, if you need something now, like I should make time for you. And I have to say, talk to my virtual assistant who says, no, you can't do it. Uh, and, and everyone feels that the thing that they need now is the most important thing they need. And so the thing I'm really learning is like, do I need it? Do I need it right now? Like if I drop everything and do this, will this help me? And the answer is usually no. Uh, so I've, I've really taken to, you know, if it's something I don't want to deal with uh, 24 hours before I answer that email, because then that gives me time to kind of like sleep on it and like 
really think about it. I mean, and I'm also trying to break that habit. I used to be a sales rep, which meant that like 24 hour turnaround on an email was like the worst thing you could do. And so now I really like 24 hours at least. And if, if I can't get you something, I might just be honest and be like, listen, I'm super swamped with deadlines from other clients because what I'm learning is that I have to remind people like they're not the only special planet in my universe. <laughs> it's like, hey, I'm really thankful that you you picked me to work with, but it doesn't mean that when you need me, I come running. Yeah. Because if I'm doing that, then that means I'm shorting someone else to give you something that really, do you need it now? You need it in two months and I'm going to go above and beyond and I'm going to give it to you in three weeks. I think we're good. So yeah, um, using electronic calendar stuff. Uh, to to kind of say, here's when I'm available and, and I'm giving you this much time and that's it. And something that you said there was really amazing, which is you're setting expectations, whether you're saying it in terms of like, it's going to be three weeks or whether your virtual assistant, Love Calendly, is saying it for you, you're setting expectations. So again, like that clear is kind, like there's no room for interpretation in terms of somebody playing out a story in their mind of how this is going to happen. Um, Mariah and Jamar, you both were, you're not on the Calendly team, but do you use, um, systems or do you use any scheduling systems that can, can help set boundaries for you? I don't have a scheduling system, um, beyond Outlook, which, um, I obsessively try to like pre like plan and book. So I'm like turning off certain times, um, or, making, you know, making sure that if I'm going to an appointment, I'm not only booking the appointment time, but also the travel to and from so that I can be um, sort of focused on the the job at hand. But I also, um, along those, while it's not a calendar um, support, um, I did a couple of years ago, you know, I was all, all in on all of our dogfish social media channels and there's a couple of them. So I just turned off all my notifications and like, I don't have any notifications anymore. Um, which at the, now at this point, it doesn't seem that novel, but like a couple of years ago when I did that, I was like, how am I going to manage if I don't, if Instagram doesn't tell me someone asked a question and I don't answer it right away. So, um, you know, I think sort of breaking that was kind of a nice thing. Um, I also, I, I tend to be a processor, so I don't, I, I'm not in a position to give you an answer right away, generally. Um, but on the other hand, I live and work with someone who is um, sort of passionate and very like in the moment, like, here's the idea, let's go, da, 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 da. I'm like, wait, like, so um, I, my natural inclination to process something sort of builds in that time, which um, I've come to appreciate more. Um, in the last couple of years, then, you know, I realized what that meant and what I needed to do to sort of build that space for myself. Yeah, I think that's so important. And just, again, that piece of like knowing yourself, like I'm also a processor, but it took me until like a couple of years ago to actually acknowledge that about myself. And it's helped because I always thought, and I don't know if anybody else is in this camp, but I always felt that to like prove my credibility in a conversation, especially a conflict, I had to have all the answers right then and there. And it, it took to like my thirties to be comfortable being like, I don't know. I'm going to need some time to get back to you on that. And even that felt like radical in the best way. But yeah, no, I'm happy to hear that, that I don't know. And, and how do you, I mean, how do you do that, Mariah, in terms of, I'm, I'm skipping ahead, but I think just think it's fascinating because so many of us work in partnerships or in collaborations. And how do you balance knowing yourself that you're a processor and then also knowing that the other person is not and like mutual respect, but also that difference? Yeah. Well, I always know when um, Sam's going to come up at me with a new idea because he's like, so I know you're a processor. And I'm like, okay, what? <laughs> You're still not going to get my reaction any faster, but thanks for setting that up. So I think both of us have learned like, you know, how to, how to work together for a long time. Our desks were right next to each other. But um, so I think knowing each other and how we react to things also helps us put the right filter on ourselves when we're looking at the other person and knowing how they, you know, whether that's 
impetuous or processor, like it, it helps us at both um, sort of figure out what the rules of the game are. And I guess going back to that grounding question, um, how do you check in with your needs and your feelings? Is there anything that comes up for you when you know you need to set boundaries? I think it's when I look when I look at my calendar, like, you know, as, as things have started opening up recently for so long, there wasn't a lot of work travel. And um, just like three weeks ago, I was like, OK, I want to really I really want to go to this conference um, in Atlanta in the spring. And I'm like getting ready to register it. And I'm like, wait a minute. And so I like took like a three month look at my calendar and I was like, no, that's not going to happen because that just means I'm going to be like, bam, 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 bam. And I don't want that because I know I don't drive me crazy and I'll be exhausted and I won't like, you know, show up in the best way for all the other things. So taking that step back um, and, and looking, um, you know, at a wider, with a wider view, I think helps me to check in. Yeah. I think that's so important. Um, what about you, Jamar? Well, well, first of all, uh, you know, sticking to my Google calendars, uh, which can be quite extensive. I still have to worry about imposter syndrome creeping in when I don't have a Calendly set up because clearly that's where the real professionals uh, keep all of their calendar details, right? Um, Jamar, but, I only signed up for Calendly like three months ago. So like, no worries. You're not- You're definitely not getting that sponsorship tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Um, but, you know- having a partner a spouse has actually been the most crucial uh impact for me being able to set boundaries um first of all uh sharing a calendar uh, where she is able to uh put in events ahead of time before i do yeah. uh, you know lets me know that i should not be trying to go to this event or that event instead um, and at the same time, again, having that partner is so wonderful because it's not just, uh, you know, a partner to get through the good parts of life, but it's also an accountability partner. Uh, you know, I know when she looks at me and says, I thought you said you were only going to, you know, be on the line with them until seven o'clock. Uh, didn't you say that you weren't going to work past midnight tonight? Um, you know, the, those little reminders uh, really help get things in check. Uh, and it keeps me uh, a lot healthier, I would say. Um, but to Mariah's point, uh, the pop notifications or the push notifications, getting those turned off, you know, when you have to monitor, uh, when you loosely have to monitor so many different social media pages, it's a game changer. You know, it doesn't matter that I have four different email addresses to monitor and 12 different Facebook accounts and all of that, because without the push, then I go in and it's under my uh, control when I get all the input. So uh, Mariah's right on. Yeah, and I think that's so great because it's also saying that those notifications are my email inbox is not going to, um, is not going to essentially tell me the course of my day or like dictate how I spend my time. And I think the other piece that you brought up, Jamar, which is so amazing, and I would love like so many people who have, you know, families and people that depend on their partnership, their 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 active presence in, uh, in their home and in life is to have a shared calendar. Like, I think that is so important. We have a family shared calendar just with the, with Google. And it's great because then it, it, if, if Mike and I, that's my husband, if Mike and I don't have the time to have the conversation in person, sometimes that will like almost put like a pin in a conversation that we need to have later. It's like a friendly reminder. I love the calendar ideas too. So my wife has access to my calendar and like this Friday, for example, she put in the three hour period where we're taking our son to the aquarium, you know, while it's something I wanted to do, just simply having it on my calendar and knowing I'm not going to work, I am now a hundred percent doing it. So sometimes having that accountability partner is so vital and to second and third, you know, Mariah and Jamar cutting the notifications off has been absolutely amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, 
Jamar, in terms of like, do you have a, uh, are there, is there a moment for you when you kind of like feel in your body, like something's off? Like if there is, you, you kind of maybe have a sense that there's an accountability piece, like, is there a check-in part for you? So sincerely, the check-in for me is getting that look from <laughs> my spouse. <laughs> that, that is the biggest check-in uh, that I could possibly have. Uh, but, you know, I received a, a wonderful tip uh, maybe a year ago. Uh, and someone said, one of the best boundaries you can give yourself, uh, whether you are a processor or not, is to simply allow yourself one day out of the week where you take no meetings. And, uh, you know, it's so easy for all of us to stack them up on top of each other. You know, I mean, Andrew's moderating session on top of session on top of session for three days straight. And, you know, we, we all have different tips to do it. But if I can have one day without taking any meetings, uh, you know, and I know Ren has some ideas about how to make that even better. Um, but a day to work without meetings and input from others and simply processing uh, helps me with that check-in. And um, if I see on my calendar that I have allowed those meetings to be there every day of the week, then something's wrong. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that. I uh, I also don't do mornings, which is is a, a long running joke because you know for for years I was a competitive rower, which meant like mornings were my life, uh, and so I think now I'm like yeah I'm, I'm good four o'clock wake up so I'm I'm not doing those anymore. Uh, so a lot of my stuff you can't book me before ten, and and what I've started doing too for like long term clients is that they have their own booking link, and so it's specifically tailored to the times that they'll need because you know I'm. I'm working internationally. So time zones are a thing. So I'm not going to penalize someone because I don't want to get up. It's going to be mid afternoon for you. So I'll get up. Um, and then I just block through my calendar uh, because of the the integration with my Gmail account. If I don't block it, it means that in Calendly, it doesn't exist. And so I've really started taking time to just block huge chunks. Um, when I started doing it, it hurt because <laughs> I was just like, I always have to be available. I always have to help people. Like, you know, you want me for half an hour, you can have me. And it was just, you know, back to that same thing of like, well, what does this get me? It gets me really tired and it burns me out and I don't love what I'm doing. And so, you know, I'm like looking at my calendar and I have two days of like massive things blocked off. Um, and one is like, you know, I blocked enough to go to lunch for a friend. So I blocked six hours. We're not getting together for six hours, but that's cool. I'm gonna just go and exist, right? So being able to do things like that, allow me for like last minute things for like family stuff that I don't have to suddenly be like, Ooh, let me move things. Day's already blocked. Let's go do something. Makes it a little easier. Ren, can I ask you like how you made that shift, even just like mentally, you said like that sort of that at first there's that discomfort of like, Oh shit. You know, if I block it off, then, you know, I might not be as available to people. Like that's some of that scarcity mindset. If I'm not there, people won't, won't come to me anymore. How yeah. did you, how did you make that transition that, that switch? It, it took a little while. Cause again, like sales rep brain, which is like, I, and you know, I mean, anyone watching this who's a sales rep will understand when I'm like lizard brain, like you just got to survive. <laughs> and if you stop moving, you will die. Uh, so to transition from that to, I can't keep that going. And I mean, the first the first year and a half of this business, I was never home because I totally was like still in that mentality of like, I have to say yes to everything. I have to be everywhere. And I sat down and looked at my daytimer because I'm old and I like paper, but I also like, you know, like technology. Uh, so <laughs> I, I would look at my old daytimers and see, you know, everything was color coded and it was just all work, like nothing but. And then that was the thing that hit me that I was like, well, I didn't do anything fun. And when I'm home, I'm tired and like, I don't want to go anywhere. Um, and I think some of it was the pandemic. Once we started really getting into it, I mean, the first three months were terrible for everyone, but there came a point where it was like, I need to really slow down because I'm not going to be worth anything to anyone if I'm just giving half answers or I'm not like finishing work. I mean, I'm signing my name to stuff, right? Like I'm not, I'm not working for like a big company where I'm like, I'm one of X number of people. It's like, hello, <laughs> like I'm it. Um, and so, you know, I don't get a 
perfect all the time. And the the payoff is when it works well, I'm the one who gets the payoff, right? Like I get to, to be like, I chilled out today. I saw a friend, I read a book. I caught up on my admin stuff. Like it doesn't have to just be like, I went out and felt the sun cause that's weird and the sun burns. Um, but I feel like just even catching up on emails and, and it not feeling like a chore of, you know, the notifications are there, I have to deal with it. Like, no, I'm gonna deal with it on a, on a day that's quieter. And I just, I feel that I, uh, I mean, you know, not all the time, but a lot of the time I want to give a lot more to the people I'm interacting with. Yeah. And the, I think some of the um, hesitation is that the results won't, the results of doing that won't be as great as the losses. And I don't know about, I would love to hear from any, from other people who have like, like Ren who have transitioned, what some of those results have been for you in terms of like moving to the joy side and has your experience been that the, the results outweigh the losses? I'm a lot like Ren. I want to work really hard. I want to talk to everyone I can. It's, I think, a problem I've had since high school. I would play a sport every season. And I remember my senior year, I decided, you know what? I'm not going to wrestle this year because I want to do something else. And saying no is really hard for me because I want to get to know everybody. I want to find that awesome thing about you that I can bring into my life and just build that relationship and friendship. So for me, it's been about, once again, kind of going to the calendar and putting that set time where I'm having someone say no for me, whether it's me putting a two hour lunch break in every day or realizing my happiness is more important. You know, you got to look at the priorities. And that's what I really had to do is do I need to take this business to the next level tomorrow? Or is it more important that I just go for a walk with my, my kid or go to the park one day and really kind of had me kind of go back and look at my goals. And every Monday morning, I literally have a reminder in my calendar that's 2022 goals where I want to kind of go back to what I wrote the first of the year and say, Am I doing that? Am I actually living up to those expectations I thought? Because we have expectations for each other. But I think when you realize that, oh, shit, it's my own expectations that probably should come first, then you start to feel a little bit happier. And it's been really hard to make that transition for me, not to say yes to everybody. But at the end of the day, I think it's been the best decision I've made in a long time. Yeah, something uh, that I think resonates with what Andrew and Ren have both said, and it's just a reminder that's sticking with me. Uh, and it might just be pretty elementary for anyone that's catching this session, but you can't fill others from an empty cup, right? And so uh, it, in the end, I think that's going to be an underlying theme that we haven't talked about, but it's that simple. You, you have to do it. But anyway, Dana, you've got this. <laughs> no, no, yeah, no. Sorry, Mariah, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say something that sounds a little counterintuitive, but so I think we all wear a lot of different hats, and so I feel like sometimes mixing up those hats more often. So, like, I do some work with a couple nonprofit boards outside of my day-to-day -day work, and so if I'm having a call for one of those organizations in the middle of a day it just kind of breaks things up and gives you a different a different lens that you're looking through and, and a different hat that you're wearing. Um, so I think sometimes, even though it seems counterintuitive because it's like more stuff, <laughs> we're doing it. So I, I like not, I like kind of mixing it all up and um, making, you know, taking you sort of out of a potential rut if, if that is, you know, what it could be considered in terms of like when you get so deep into, your, um, you know, crazy meeting to meeting or email to email kind of existence. It's like, okay, well, let's take this call that really has nothing to do with anything else I've been doing today. And it just resets. I think that is such a valuable point, Mariah. And I'm so glad you, you brought it up because um, variety in not just your day, but also your interests, it helps, um, just really helps like kind of overall make sure that you don't you don't ascend, you don't essentially like, and I see this a lot in craft beverage, your identity doesn't only exist in the role that you play in that industry and in that community. Your identity is, is bigger, is broader than that. And I think that gives a real sense of joy and also helps you practice boundaries because if your entire day is just dedicated, and I've seen this a lot with like, um, uh, people who are just coming into the craft beer industry is that 
they are so excited to be there for good reason, right? It is so much fun. But that excitement means that it's just like from work until the end of work and like who you have beers with all the way until you go to sleep. That's all that exists for you. So there's not a lot of even variety to change up your sense of identity, but also like the practice. Where's the practice of, of establishing boundaries? So then when shit comes up and you have to have boundaries, you're just, you're lacking that practice. And I, I think that that's just a really important point that actually it's not essentially getting busier. It's just broad, broadening your ability to actually um, use the skills that you have. I see somebody in the chat said, yes, exclamation mark. I don't know if it was to that point, but that's always great to see. Um, yeah, I mean, have have any of you had that experience where you found that you've lost your identity or become so consumed in the excitement and the of this industry and communities? Um, and how have you shifted from that? Uh, yeah, I, I ran into someone recently who's like, oh my God, you're Beardiversity. I like did not know my name. So <laughs> I was like, yeah, I guess I've just become a product. Um, I, and I think that, yeah, it gets really easy to, to be part of, of the like roller coaster of fun. Um, but remember if you ride a roller coaster long enough, it will make you sick. <laughs> um, and I think that, that kind of remembering that you got to get off and go for a walk every so often and, and it's, it's been hard because it's, you know, people are like, what else do you do in your life? And I'm like, beer. And if it's not beer, it's whiskey. And if it's not whiskey, it's wine. And like, we see a theme, um, you know, and then I'm like, oh, non-alcoholic beer is great too. Um, but to find something outside of it and just be like, I'm not going to talk about that. I'm going to sit and watch some bad TV and I'm going to remove myself fully from the situation. And that's like the little bits of things, you know, go for a drive, go and just hang out, like catch up with someone. And we forget about those pieces as the way to like reset and reconnect. Um, because, you know, and, and I think that there's, we're, we're blurring the lines these days anyway, because we're, we're doing everything virtually. And it's so rare that we get to be in, in person with one another. And I think that I'm finding myself being a little bit more honest and kind of showing like what's happening behind the curtain, you know, the, the, the big piece of like, it's the grand wizard of Oz. And it's like, no, it's just, it's just me in the back, like hanging out. And I think every so often just showing people and reminding them that like, I am a true, just real flawed human trying to make the most of it. And when I do that, that's when people almost go, oh, right, yeah. And so it's not just about the reset for us. It's about showing people that like, yes, I'm doing a thing that we all really love. However, there is a, a cost to it. And, and I can't be entangled in it 100%. Rin, I've got a question for you because I mean, it's a struggle I deal with as well, but do you feel like being the face of an organization is challenging? Um, yeah. And I think that, you know, with, with what I'm doing, I fell into it. Like, it wasn't even like I woke up and was like, I'm gonna do this. <laughs> I just feel like, so, you know, my origin story is really that like, I did a thing I thought was going to be a side project and like years later, here I am still doing it. So yeah, it does, it does get really tricky. Um, but every so often, I just got to be like, I am a human who needs to go take a nap. And that's what I'm going to go to. Yeah. And how many, how many of you, because there's all, I mean, everybody in this conversation is actively role modeling to other people, right? Whether it's like our, the audiences of, of people on social media or our, our colleagues that we work with, collaborators out in the field, like, how do you role model that? The fact that, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, you're an, a talented, skilled person, but you're also a, a human with like needs and um, and that your capacity changes and evolves with time. Like it, that that change is constant. Um, are there ways that that you role model that well or ways that you don't and you, you'd like to improve on that? Yeah, I mean, I think transparency is really important and. Um, you know, there used, there was a time where like, if I was going on a vacation or taking some time off, I would like downplay it. Like, oh, it wasn't great or it was terrible or like not terrible, but like, I wouldn't really get excited about it and talk about it. And, or like, even now in our day-to-day -day world, like, why am I not on a call? Uh, because, you know, and, and tell people like, oh, you don't have to give them all the details, but I have a doctor's appointment or I have this, because I think it sets up the expectation that they can they can be 
also do that. Like I was on a call recently, like 12 people. And one guy was like, hey, I have to jump off because I have to go get my kid from the bus, but I'll be back in 20 minutes because it was like a two hour call. And I loved that he said that, like, and that it wasn't like, oh, I'll, you know, I'll be back. Like he, he was really clear about why. And so I think that transparency really lets people feel like they can also like live a real life outside of, you know, a screen or a meeting or, you know, their day to day. So um, I think that's important. And I found I have so many Zoom conversations. I know many of you on the panel have a lot of in-person in interactions. But for me, when I'm getting to know someone through the camera, I don't just want to know about their business or their brewery. I want to learn something more humanizing about them. And that's something I try to bring to the table of craft beer professionals. You know, you're more than just a brewer. You're more than just an owner. You are an actual person with interest and a personality. And I do my best to try to get to know that person because when they give me a little piece of them, I try to give a piece of myself back, whether it's saying, you know, I got to take my kid to the park or, you know, whatever it may be. I think it opens the door for us accepting that we are people. We're not just someone who has a job. Yeah. Um, and, and I think like something that I when you said came up for me is like there is so much vulnerability, right? For the people you're talking to and also for yourself, like the vulnerability for people to, to share. I mean, that's where I, that's where I say like, it's, it is about building a relationship over time because you, that's not going to be established right away. I mean, have there been for, for any of you, have there been, um, have there been ways that you build that, that relationship that you allow for that vulnerability in ways that have worked really, really well, either with your colleagues or collaborators? You know, I, I would say for myself with the uh, various organizations that I interact uh, in each one of them, there seems to simply be a slim common thread uh, to the next organization, uh, the next company. And while that may be uh, small, you know, just finding that way, like Andrew said, with that, uh, sharing something that is more than just the business that you're doing, or more than just the cause of this organization or that organization. Um, and, you know, to Mariah's point about the honesty, uh, simply being able to open up um, about it uh, still allows others to see, okay, this is what's going on. Um, and uh, it has led to getting more buy-in and more partnership uh, with those organizations for the face value, but also in the other areas of our lives. When people, you know, if you ever wanted to sell Girl Scout cookies because you chose to invest in someone's life in these other areas, they will be more than happy to buy Girl Scout cookies from you. You know, um, that's what works for me. Yeah. And Jamar, I think it comes down to understanding someone's values too. When someone shares their values with you and you respect those values, it helps you understand that person better. Just like the consumer who, you know, wants to support the local brewery that, that does good and they can relate to versus just the one that where they like the beer. I think it's really all comes down to relationships. Yeah. Amen to that. And Girl Scout cookies. Who doesn't <laughs> Mariah, how have you seen, because you have had so many different experiences over the years um, with building teams, what have been some like really great ways of building teams where you're allowing everybody to kind of like, you know, you're, they're building a relationship one with one another, but like even just that initiation, like I find sometimes that's the hard part about building a team, like how to initiate those conversations yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I feel like for so long, like starting off, you wear all the hats and then, you know, we bring, you know, over the years we were able to bring people in that were super much smarter than ourselves, specifically when you think of like technical skills. And I don't mean just like brewing side, cause that wasn't the part of the business I was in, but there was times where I was doing like payroll and HR and stuff that I had no business doing and I had no idea what I was doing, but then we were able to bring people in to, um, to join our team that knew how to do that. So I think surrounding yourself with people who are smarter and more skilled um, is always, it's, it, it's not even, 
humbling. It's more like an awesome release, like you welcome them in. And I think when you're welcoming people into the team, um, you know, I don't know that I think that not only is good for them because they're like bringing, you know, much needed relief and skills to the table. Um, I've, I think the hardest team experience I've had is, but it's also been, well, it, over the last two years when I, when I was asked to lead the social impact team, Boston beer, it was during COVID. So, and half of my team was in Boston and, and two of us were in Delaware. So we actually never met in person for almost a year. So that was kind of a crazy experience, but I think we just figured out like how to make those connections and making sure that we start off the conversations like, like, Hey, like, how was your weekend? What did you do? And like getting to know people outside of like, okay, here's the agenda for the meeting. I think it's important to leave a little bit of space either at the beginning or the end, or maybe both um, so that you can connect with people in, in, in real life. Um, and there's a nonprofit board that I'm on. And every time we start our meeting, we actually start the zoom 10 minutes early just so people can come on and connect with each other. Um, they don't have to like some people come in at the very moment or five minutes late always, but still those people who want to make those connections, I think, um, creating space for those connections, I think is really important. I can't remember if I answered your question at this point. Yeah, oh, totally. No, I'm so <laughs> glad that you said that about in terms of like that creating space, because I think sometimes we think like, oh, you know what? Um, everyone by the nature of being together is going to get to know one another. So we don't need to be intentional about that, right? But actually, it's the opposite. It's you need to be very intentional about how you're building a relationship because, um, in my experience, when the relate when you take that time when you create that space through either like check-ins at the beginning or whatever it is, um, that time means that when you go to actually do the work and the tasks, it flows. And I think people think like. Oh, you know, if we spend all the time talking about the agenda items and the things we need to do, then we'll get that work done faster. But it's my experience, especially with teams, it is the complete opposite. It means that you end up doing a lot of work that might not align with people's capacities, their contributions, um, what they value. And then you end up wondering why the work is not working and going back and then coming up with a new plan and new work. And, and it's like, people will tell you what they want and what they need when you create the space to do that consistently over time. Yeah, I think that that is so important. And I mean, that goes back to Andrew, how we started with you saying that pause, that slowing down, that not moving right into action, right? Um, I think that that's so important. And I know that that sounds counterproductive to working in an industry that moves really quickly. So um, again, I'd, I'd love to hear from everybody in terms of um, what have been some uh, like tangible outcomes or results of slowing down. So for me, I keep a little notepad next to my desk and I always, I have that physical pad too, like Ren. And I write down tasks that sometimes I just don't want to do anymore or probably aren't the best use of my time. And what I try to do is find a way that I could have someone better than me do these tasks. And the fact that I've been able to delegate some tasks over the past couple of years, and a lot of it comes down to putting the protocols in place to properly train people to do their job for these tasks that's given me that time to pause. So kind of making a list of things that would make my life easier, but also having someone else involved in the process. You know, for me, it helps create a little bit of a team mentality that just facilitates those conversations where I can connect with someone else in the processes that we're doing. That way I'm, I'm not alone, but also gives me that time to somewhat just pause and worry about me and the ways that I can help others in different ways versus, you know, just doing these tasks that I don't necessarily want to focus on. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, tomorrow, go for it. <laughs> Lori's like, no, 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 no. Uh, thank you. 
I, uh, I mean, I work in, in DEI with alcohol industries. So everyone is like, I needed to fix this yesterday, right? Like I need, I need more black people hanging out of my space. And it's like, oh, okay, I'll just bust them in. Like, you know, I mean, it's just getting people to realize that, that this is something you can't move at breakneck speeds with. And having, having people understand and question like, why, why do I want this? Why do I want these people? And understanding that it's not just about rushing people into your space. It's like, what are you going to give them? What are they going to bring to you? Why, what will the, the relationship be that grows? And having people, you know, yeah, beer moves fast. I mean, like, you know, it's, we were talking before this, the, the April Fool's joke, you know, that Mariah, we were talking about like a beer style came out and everyone was like, oh my God, no, what? Like, that's how fast we move because we're expecting these things to happen in like a blink of an eye. And we we're applying that to people. And so part of my job is to say, hang on a second, <laughs> you got to understand why. And you have to put things in place that make people want to come into your space. So the big thing I'm seeing these days are value statements, codes of conduct, where like when I was in beer 10 years ago, like neither one of those ex existed, right? It was like, be nice. Don't, if you're going to get drunk, don't barf on anyone. Like it was just these weird things where you're like, that's not real job lines. And so seeing people starting to say, okay, yeah, we can't rush this. And we have to start like making real strides and, and making sure we understand what we want um, yeah. has been really great to see over the last couple of years. I mean, we still have a really long way to go, but it's nice to see people saying, I will take a deep breath right here and, and try and figure it out a little bit more. Yeah, great point. Thank you. Well, spinning off of, of uh, where Ren's coming from, you know, the idea of taking that pause uh, allows you also to assess you know, the process that you've put into place and this action that you've been stepping into reassess does the action or the process actually accomplish the goal you know does it actually solve the problem or have you just been doing this action because it's the way that you're supposed to do it or the way that it has been done um you know like meaningless measurements or uh you know, specials that don't accomplish, uh, you know, the intended audience or the marketing that doesn't get there. Um, without the skill set to pause and reassess, you know, we lose so much of ourselves. I mean that as an organization, but also as individuals. Yeah. No, great point. And I would just add, I don't think it's always just, you know, the drinker audience that we're looking at. Like I think our own coworkers sometimes want an answer yesterday and they want to know what's our position on this or what's your statement or how are you going to fix this systemic issue? And it's like, you, no, like we're, we're like, this is a long, long game that we all, you know, need to, um, to play and to repair and to like come at it from different angles and we're all going to make mistakes. But like, I think, you know, we have to also, help our own coworkers understand that answers aren't coming from some like box of all the right answers that we just pull it out and like, Oh, here it is. Let's go. This plan is in place now. Um, so I think it's, I think it's almost just a cultural issue right now where everybody wants their immediate right answer, the right response, the right plan. And um, you know, we're, we're all used to immediacy now, like, right. Like it's, it comes to our door whenever we want it, um, you know, whatever it is. And so I think trying to figure out how to calibrate the expectation of immediacy with the need to do, you know, what generally is a longer term good work or good approach, whether that's, you know, as Ren, you were saying, your DE and I work or whether that's a marketing plan or what, like we always are, it, stumbling over ourselves because we're like, okay, we've been talking about this, this new beer for three months now. So we're going to now talk about the next new beer. Well, we talked about it for three months because it hadn't even hit the market yet. So now that it's in the market, we're sick of it. So like, we're tired of talking about it. So like, we're always on to the next thing. So I think it's, it's that whole, like, gotta have it now, gotta like have fresh new all the time is creates challenges. And I, I, well, I know we're, we're, we're kind of wrapping up, but I just, I have to add because 
Mariah, you said something that's so important is the repair piece. Because we're not always going to get it right the first time. I said boundaries of practice, right? We don't get to a point where one day we wake up in the morning and be like, I'm really in my boundaries. I know my boundaries. I'm never going to have to set them again. That's just not the case. And there's going to be times where maybe we don't express our boundaries or we, we don't have any. And whether that's repair we have to do with ourselves or, or someone else, it's, that's also an important practice. So I would just love like in the, in the last little bit, if, if everybody or anybody who wants to, to chime in on repair and what they have done at moments where they've had to express that whatever they did was at odds or didn't work out the way they wanted to, or completely disregarded their own or somebody else's boundaries. I guess I'll dive into this one. You know, I work alongside my wife and that can get really challenging sometimes. And finding that perfect work-life balance with someone you're working with is even harder. So sometimes we might have a disagreement of sorts and my plan of action to what I think is a good solution to whatever happened doesn't work out. So, you know, as a husband, but also as, as a business person, I'm constantly thinking of what I can do better. You know, and I want to talk to her about this. What we did the other night, we were in bed. And so often we just concentrate on putting out fires. We don't take time for ourselves. But we literally sat in bed and just kind of had like a debrief. We looked at some actions we had done recently. And like, well, that didn't quite work out, Andrew, the way you expected it to. I'm like, well, what can I learn from you? What can you do better next time? And for me, asking those questions is really valuable. And I don't think asking questions of those we're working with or our partners should be looked upon as something you should be shameful of. But, you know, asking questions out of curiosity is how I honestly improve because I want to know how the other person in that relationship, whether personal or professional, is feeling. So by understanding those feelings, I know their expectations for future encounters and I can just make them better for both of us the next time. And it's something I'm always trying to be better with. But that conversation for us is just kind of taking a step back and like, whoa, what happened? How can we do it better next time is really important that way. You know, I can repair what just happened, but also learn from it moving forward. I love that. Clarity is kindness, right? Yeah. And curiosity. I think curiosity is so important in whatever you're doing and the willingness to just ask the the, the willingness to ask a question, but also realizing that like you need to ask questions all the time or else you're never going to learn anything new and never have a new approach. Yeah. I've got mentors and really good friends that I can just go to and be like, I think I did this super wrong. Uh, you know, can I bounce this off of you? It's, you know, uh, this is what I think I'm going to do. And it's great when your friend comes back and they're like, don't, don't, no, <laughs> don't touch it, you know, and, and being able to, to have people that you can trust. I mean, you know, I, I mentor other people, but I'm still getting, you know, mentored. And you always have to remember that you're not always going to get it right. Um, and have people that you trust. Don't, don't just find someone who's doing the same thing as you and be like, hey, can I ask you a bunch of questions? Like create a relationship with them, because if you're going to them, you're going to them with like serious stuff. Um, you're not just asking like off the cuff. It's, you know, and I, and I think that that's really helped me over the years to have someone that I can go to and say, I messed this up. Or, hey, I said I was going to do this. Can you hold me accountable? I said yeah. I was going to take two days off. I failed. How do we work on this? Right. Like, and, and have someone that you can trust for that. Yeah. And I'm so glad you said that because it brings it back to Jamar, what you said that like the accountability partner. And if you don't already have an accountability partner or somebody that you can practice boundaries, hard conversations, um, and asking consent, like even like, can I, I have something I need to work out. Can I, uh, can I do that with you? Um, and practicing that repair, um, then I highly recommend or encourage you to look at the people in your life um, who you could build that relationship with because it is this is hard work and it is truly easier when we do it together. Yeah. So I guess on that note, thank you all for for being here um, and for practicing together. And I hope that everybody who's with us live um, was able to get something from this and or at least sparked your curiosity. Um, to continue this conversation outside of, of, uh, of this conference today. 
Um, if you have any questions at all, you want to talk more about boundaries, um, then, uh, I mean, you can contact me. This is like my, my joy is these types of conversations. Um, you can reach me at uh, danakaluzny.com. Um, Ren's also a mentor. Uh, Ren, how can people contact you? Uh, you can do it at info at beer-diversity.com uh, or just go to beer-diversity.com. Okay. And Andrew, you are such great at building connections and supporting people. How can people get in touch with you? You can all find me on Facebook and CBP or shoot me an email at Andrew at craftbeerprofessionals.org. But please not tonight. Yeah. <laughs> please Boundaries. not tonight. Or if they or if they do contact you tonight, expect that they're not hearing from you until Til after Thursday. Till Thursday. Yeah. Mariah, if uh, if people want to follow some of the really cool things you're doing, how can people follow you? Um, I'm on Instagram. I, I think I'm just M Calajoni on Instagram, um, and um, my email is just Mariah at dogfish.com. Awesome. Jamar. How can we keep up with everything that you're doing? Oh, goodness. You can find me on LinkedIn pretty easily. Uh, you can also reach me at j.valentine, like the holiday, at bavana.com. Amazing. Thank you, everybody, so much. Thank you for being here with us. And keep it going. Keep the conversation going. It's worth it. We are proud to keep CBP 100% free and accessible to all. If you enjoy conversations like this, please hit the subscribe button.